If you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to open, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 20, and we'll begin in verse 27 again, or not again, Luke chapter 20 and verse 27, and it is uh, good to be back with you today. I know I was here last week, but it's in a different capacity, and, and so it is good to be back with you and be able to open the Word with you, and, um, and, and you'll remember, just to kind of pick, pick up where we left off, I know it's been a couple weeks but just to remind you where we are, Jesus is in his last week of life before the crucifixion. Now, he's right in the middle of that last week. He's, this is a Wednesday, and he's going to be crucified on Friday. Okay, so this is a, a very full week that he has, and this is a very full day that he has. And uh, the last time that we studied this, the scribes and the chief priests, you remember, they had gotten together, and they tried to trip him up with a question. And they had sent out spies, you remember, because they, they sent out uh, spies to ask him a question about paying taxes. And much to our chagrin, Jesus said, yes, pay your taxes, but render, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but to God the things that are God's. And, of course, everything is God's, and so we should give everything that we have to God. So Jesus kind of shut them down. They, they, they came to him to trip him up, try to get him in trouble. He shut that down. And as, as I looked at this this week, I was reminded of wrestling. Now, I haven't, I haven't watched wrestling in, in years but I remember back when I was a kid, they used to have tag team matches. Does everybody know what those are? So, so there'd be two teams, if, if you don't know, and I know you all know what tag team wrestling is, but there'd be two teams, and they go, they go battling in the ring, and then when one of them would start getting bested, he'd go over to his corner and he'd, he'd tag the other guy on his team in, and then he'd come in, they start battling, and so forth. Well, I, I was reminded of that as I was reading Luke chapter 20, because it's like these guys are, are almost tag team and Jesus. Now, they are not, I mean, they're, they're on the same team in the sense that they're all against Jesus, but, but, but they're not actually tagging. I, I don't know, it's kind of, a, kind of a rough analogy. I have kind of a weird mind. I, I, I own that. But anyway, so these, these, these chief priests and scribes, they send out these spies to trip Jesus up. He shuts them down. And that's like, tag, you're it. You come in. Uh, Sadducees, and it's your turn to try and fight Jesus. Now, Jesus obviously was not wrestling, but, uh, but they are coming in, trying to battle him, trying to best him, and, and he is going to shut these guys down as well. And, and he's, they're, they're going to ask him a question about the resurrection. And there are several things I want to draw your attention to as we look through this. And I, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, I've got to lay a bit of foundation work so that you actually understand the whole text. And so just, just keep that in mind. Uh, but first, I want you to stand, if you're able to, as we read uh, Luke chapter 20, and we pick up in verse 27. <clears throat> it says, Now there came to him some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a, that if a man's brother dies having a wife, and he is childless, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless. And the second and the third married her, and in the same way all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven have married her. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die any more, because they are like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection." But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they did not have courage to question him any longer about anything. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Now, the first thing I want you to see today is a crafty question. A crafty question. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, Luke, in, in uh, verse 27, Luke introduces a group that, that's coming up to oppose Jesus. And, and this is a group called the Sadducees. Now, <coughs> if you're like me, sometimes I read all these, all these different groups in the Bible, you know, the scribes, Pharisees, uh, uh, chief priests, Sadducees, all these different groups, and sometimes, because we're so far removed in time and culture, it's hard to keep all of them straight. And so, just to kind of fill you in, the Pharisees, I don't think we have that much trouble with, because they show up a lot of times in the Gospels. Jesus is always harsh to them, uh, because they are, they, are, they are hypocrites many times. And so, you remember, these are the guys that are theologically conservative. They believe in, in spirits, the resurrection of the dead, and, uh, and the afterlife, and so forth. And, and, and they believed in the inspiration of the Hebrew Bible, what we would call the Old Testament. And so they believed many of the things that we believed as far as, as that goes. But they also believed that what was equally binding on people was not only the, the scriptures that, that the, the, the writers penned, but also all these oral traditions that had been passed down from the rabbis. So there were all these traditions about how you should wash your hands and what constituted work on the Sabbath and so forth, and they believed that was binding on people too. Now, another group was the Sadducees, and that's who is in view today. Now, the Sadducees don't show up in the Bible very often, and when they are mentioned on their own, the Bible always says they don't believe the resurrection. That was like a defining feature of their belief system. They, de- they denied the resurrection from the dead. Now, the Pharisees were a religious group. The Sadducees were, mo- were more of a political group. Okay, now, they have been, uh, they, they've been, they've been called theologically liberal. That's not exactly accurate. They, they were liberal in the sense that they denied the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in, in spirits or angels. They, they were materialists. They believed that, that when a person died, their spirit died with them. And since there was no afterlife, there was no eternal rewards or punishment, there's no heaven or hell, therefore, eat, drink, and be merry. And so they, they were the materialists, and, and so they, they were not, they were liberal, we might call them liberal because they denied those things, but they were actually ultra-conservative because they, they emphasized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's it. Can you imagine having the Pentateuch? The first five books of the Bible, that be the, all your scripture. That's what they did. Now, they saw the rest of the Old Testament as being uh, important, of, of having some value, but they only focused on the books of Moses. And so because all these extra oral traditions were not part of uh, this, this book of Moses, they denied it. Because things like the resurrection and stuff were not taught explicitly in the, uh, in the Pentateuch, they denied it. And so they were ultra-conservative in that sense. And, and the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees fought a lot. They argued. And so one of the things they would argue about was the resurrection. <clears throat> and so the Pharisees would say there's a resurrection. Sadducees would say, no, there's not. And, and the Sadducees would point to the law of Moses, say it's not there. And that, they, 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 they would just be kind of a, a stalemate. Okay? So it appears that these Sadducees had kind of a trick question. In all their arguments with the Pharisees, they come up with a scenario to put to the Pharisees that if, if, if they, they, this, was their, this was their zinger. This was, the, their, this was their go-to argument. There were these seven brothers and so forth, and they pulled that out on Jesus to try and make him look foolish. Okay, They're not trying to get him in trouble with the government. They're just trying to make him look foolish for believing in a resurrection. 
So, we have that. But behind all this question is what's called leveret marriage. And probably nobody here knows what the word leveret means. Leveret comes from a Latin word that means brother-in-law. <clears throat> In this law, <clears throat> excuse me, this law that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25 verses 5 to 10 says this, When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother, so brother-in-law, shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. Now, parenthetically, if there was no brother, that responsibility would go to the next nearest male relative. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out of Israel, from Israel. But if the man <clears throat> does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the, elders of the, to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of, this, of, this, of his city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of, of the elders, pull his sandal off his foot, and spit in his face, and she shall declare, Thus is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. In Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff. And, and you, I mean, you just think about it, in your own marriage, brother-in-law and marriage and all that, it might, it's, it's really weird, right? And the reason for that, and, and Deuteronomy 25 mentions this, is because it all, it, this all goes back to the land that God gave to the Israelites as, as part of the promised land. And he said, this tribe gets this and, and that and, and so on and so forth. And they, he's trying to keep the, the, uh, the, the person's name from dying out of the land. So this is also, and I'm going to connect a couple dots for you. You remember the story of Ruth? Now, the, the book of Ruth, we have all this stuff about uh, uh, Naomi and Elimelech, and they go off to Moab because there's a, a famine, and they have a couple sons, and they die, and so forth. And Ruth is a Moabite woman. She goes back to, uh, to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. There's a what's called a kinsman redeemer. Remember who that is, Boaz? She, he ends up taking, he, he redeems Elimelech's field and also gets Ruth to boot. And he's, he's taking her as a wife. But before that happens in, in Ruth chapter 4, there's actually somebody that's a closer relative to, uh, to, her, uh, to her dead husband. <clears throat> and so uh, he has the opportunity to redeem the land and, and take Ruth as wife. Um, he refuses to do so, and that's how it goes to Boaz. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to connect some dots for you. Um, and, and so that's, that's all that's behind this question. So look again at verses 28 to 33. They question him and saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us. So, of course, that's who they're going to refer to, right? The book of Moses, because that's what they're accepting as scripture. The, Moses wrote to us that if a, 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 a man's brother dies, so on and so forth, whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? And, and you can almost hear the smirk in their voice when you say it, or when they say it. Because it's, it's like they're, they're just expecting him to be like, oh, well, that's a, I don't know, that would be kind of awkward. Who's, whose wife would she be? Because if they're walking along, if they go for a stroll and they run into the other six husbands, that's going to be kind of weird. So, so how are they going to figure out whose she is? And, and let's just, I'll just say it, it's probably a good thing. I mean, if all seven of them married her and died, it's probably a good thing that she didn't have any more husbands, right? Because, I mean, that's a, 
That, that's not a very good track record on, on her part. So we have a crafty question. Next, I want you to see clarity about ages, clarity about the ages. So they give this big scenario, and Jesus, they're, they're mocking this idea of, of resurrection. <clears throat> and the, the assumption that they make is that the relationships in the resurrection, in the eternal state, are going to be identical to those in the here and now. But notice what Jesus does. He corrects this, this idea in verses 34 and following. And notice the distinction he makes. He says, in this life, in this age, it's good, it's proper, it's expected for a man to marry a woman. That's the way God instituted it in the Garden of Eden. One man, one woman, for one lifetime. Men and women of this age, the present life, they marry, they're given in marriage. But in the age to come, that's not going to happen. And notice, notice what he says. Now, now before that... I want you to notice there's, there's an inherent challenge here to these men. And the inherent challenge is this. People of, of that age, people of, of, of the resurrection, people who are children of God, don't marry and are not given in marriage in the eternal state. And the, the challenge there is, are they a child of God? Are they going to be in that resurrection to eternal life? And the challenge is the same to us today. Not everybody's a child of God. Not everybody's going to heaven. Now, now there's this idea, and it, it gives you all warm and fuzzies, but, but, but it's not a scriptural idea that everybody's going to heaven, everybody's good with God, and, and you know, God's going to, oh, you, you tried, come on in. That's not the way it is. God says that there's only one way to Him, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And only those who are reconciled to Him through Jesus are going to heaven. Those are the only people who are saved. Those are the only person. Those are the only people who are right with God. <clears throat> so, he says, that's not going to happen in the eternal state. Why? Because they will be like angels, full stop. I want to pause here and point out, Jesus does not say, you become an angel. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, heaven gained a, a new angel when so-and-so passed away. No, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't become an angel. Notice what he says in verse 36. They became, they became like angels in this important way. Verse 36. For they cannot even die anymore because they are like angels. So they, they don't marry. They're not given in marriage. Why? Because we're not going to be able to die. Because we'll be like angels. We will not pass away. Said another way, one of the main reasons that marriage occurs is because of death. God instituted marriage partially for, for companionship, for pleasure, and all those things. But a big part of it, according to this, is to perpetuate the human race. Because the normal scheme of things is a man and a woman get married and they produce offspring. Therefore, humanity continues. So he corrects this wrong idea about, their, about the ages. Things will be different then. Next, I want you to see the certainty of resurrection. The certainty of resurrection. Look at verse 37. <clears throat> verse 37. He says, but, the, but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed. He says, this is a reality. The dead will be raised. Now, as foolish as the world believes this to be, each and every person will be raised. You, are, you, you will one day stand before God in a new body. I will stand before God in a new body. We will all experience resurrection. Some to eternal bliss in heaven and some to eternal misery in hell. Now, Jesus could have pointed to any number of passages that refer to the reality of the resurrection just in the Old Testament. 
We think about the teaching of, of resurrection as being a New Testament thing, but listen to a couple of passages. Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 26. Job says, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth, even after my skin is destroyed. So he says, even after I've been dead, buried, I become worm food, my body is disintegrated, I've, I've, been, I've, I've turned back to the dust from which I was taken, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. In other words, God's going to put, put me back together. And I will stand before God physically resurrected. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, that's the grave. Nor will you, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. There's continuation. It, 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 the, the, body is, the, the grave is not it. The body is coming up and they, we will be with God forever. Psalm forty-nine, fifteen. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol. For he will receive me. Isaiah twenty-six, nineteen. Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy. For your dew is as the dew of the dawn. And the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Or Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now there are, there are other passages we can look at that teach about resurrection. But why didn't Jesus refer to any of those? Isn't that weird? Because we have, we have all these clear passages, but he looks at this, this it seems kind of like an obscure passage of Exodus. Well, how many of those were out of Genesis through Deuteronomy? None. And so Jesus is going to meet them right where they are. They say, well, well, it's not taught in the books of Moses. And he says, oh yeah? You just wait. Here's what, here, here's what he does. He points him back to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. Now we all know the story, Exodus 3, 6. Moses is, is, uh, is, is out in the wilderness, sees the, the, the bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. Do you remember that? He goes and God speaks to him out of the bush. And here's what he says. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus says, case closed. And we look at that and we say, What? Yeah, I mean, why would, why, how does that show the resurrection? How's that an argument for a continuation after death? Well, notice, now remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they died hundreds of years before Moses. Hundreds of years before this took place. If they were dead and that was it, God would have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But instead he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what he's saying is, though their bodies have died, their spirits still live. And what is true of their spirits will one day be true of their bodies as well. Now I just want to, this is again, just parenthetically, that's a pretty high view of Scripture. That Jesus would base an argument for the resurrection on the tense of a verb. Not I was, I am. So the last thing I want you to see is a cheering audience. That may be 
maybe overstating it, but if you look at verses 39 to 40, <clears throat> he, he shuts them down. Verse 39, some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they did not have courage to question him any longer about anything. The scribes, they used to contend with the Sadducees about the resurrection. This was undoubtedly something that they had been, pro, uh, question they'd been posed to them. Jesus got that question, showed them how to answer it, had shut them down, and they said, nice job, Jesus. You did something we couldn't do. Now, coincidentally, this is the last time we see the Sadducees in Luke's gospel. This, this is it. Case closed. Now, they appear later in the book of Acts when Paul's on trial. But after the destruction of, of the temple in 70 AD, the Sadducees just disappear from history. Now, Jesus does not give us all the information we want about the eternal state. He doesn't tell us everything we want to know about the resurrection, what our relationships will be like. There are lots of stuff he, there's lots of stuff he doesn't tell us. But what he does tell us is clear and it's sure. There is a resurrection from the dead. You will one day rise again. Some will live forever in God's presence. In heaven, you'll have a new body. There's no soul sleep. There's no annihilation. There's no, there's no second chance after death. There's life, death, resurrection. Now, for Christians, the hope of the resurrection is our blessed hope. I mean, how many times do we think about how nice it's going to be when we all get to heaven? We sang about it just a little bit ago. I mean, sometimes uh, when things are going bad, when we're not feeling too good, that's, that's, that's what we hold on to. One day we will have a new body. And our old, broken down bodies, they're susceptible to things like well, injury, decay. I mean, you just look in the mirror, you're decaying. I'm decaying. It's, 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 not, it's not great. And you just look at it. One of these days, you're going to have a body that's not going to do that. It'll be incorruptible. It'll be glorious, never to die again. There'll be no more pain and no more sickness, no more disease, no more tears, no more sin, no more death. For those who are going to heaven. But listen, you will one day rise again. And, and, and it may be that if you've never put your faith in Christ... Listen, if that's you, you'll one day rise again, but you will not spend eternity in heaven. You will not have that glorious body, free of of pain forever. But instead, you will spend eternity under the wrath of God in hell, experiencing conscious torment for eternity, because you have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's why every time I stand before you, I, I plead with you, if you are not a believer, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, do that today. Put your faith in Him. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. nobody looking around I just want to encourage you to take stock of your life are you a follower of Jesus Christ
If not, you're not going to heaven. I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that rudely. I say it truthfully and plainly. Jesus himself said, He who does not believe on the Son has been condemned already because he's not believed on the only begotten Son of God. The Bible says that whosoever will may come. Christian, the resurrection is certain. It's sure. It is a hope to hold on to. And when your life is in the in the pits, when you face physical difficulties, when you face those difficult and unpleasant um, prognosis from the from the doctor life is short and eternity is sure the dead will be raised heavenly father we thank you for the um, the promise of life after death we thank you that in just in the scheme of eternity, our lives, though they may seem like may seem like they drag on for a long time, those days can be long. Thank you that you have something better promised for those who who follow you. And God, I pray that you'd help each of us as we um, as we look ahead to that that blessed day when we are given new bodies and the old things have passed away and all the sin and pain and death and everything that goes along with that is all gone. Thank you for that hope that we can hold on to. But God, for that person who's not a follower of Christ, who's not right with you and they stand condemned in their sins, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and let them become your child today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.